Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recoveringto.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering too. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Hope you're doing well and hanging in there. On last week's episode, we discussed how we're dealing with the effects of COVID-19. Today, I'm with the boys, Jake, Charlie, and Steve, virtually, of course, to hear their perspectives. They talk about where they're at in recovery and how they're maintaining it during this pandemic. Hope you enjoy. Okay, who wants to start? Not me. Yeah. All right, we will start with Jake. Jake, introduce yourself. My name is Jake. I haven't had a drink or a drug since January uh, 19th of this year. And what else do you want to know? Um, I guess that is good. So how, what does your recovery look like? What are the things that you normally do? Well, I'm going to start from the 19th of uh, this year as an example, since it seems to be working. I talk to my sponsor about every day, every other day, maybe. There's a group of what I like to call trusted advisors, a good five or six people that I talk to on a, you know, a daily basis, rotating from person to person. I try to go to at least a meeting a day. And uh, up until a few days ago, I talked to a lot of people uh, in the halfway house that I was living at, um, which has since dissolved. So I'm back home with you. Lucky you. And really just uh, talk about the steps, work the steps, talk to my sponsor, go to as many meetings as possible and keep a good routine. That's what's been working lately. Right. Uh, Steve or Charlie? either of you want to share where you're at these days yeah yeah um steve uh so uh uh yeah so i got clean um in june of 2015 the first time uh but my uh, last clean date was october 23rd uh, 2015 um so since then you know my recovery programs look different um it's looked a lot different, but today um, it really consists of uh, uh, meetings were really at the core of my recovery. Um, a lot, you know, at least three a week um, used to be a lot more, but that's what it really looks like today. Um, hitting three meetings a week, um, especially my home group, usually touch base with my sponsor at my home group. Um, if not, we would usually reach out over the phone. And then at those meetings, 
a lot of guys that I've, you know, really gotten to know over the years, uh, really kind of, uh, at the core of my recovery. Um, so that's changed a lot. Uh, especially recently, you know, being locked down, um, when your meetings are the things you're counting on the most, when I, when I would feel my, uh, my thinking starting to slip, that'd be the first thing I would do would be head out to a meeting. And today it's just not, uh, just not as easy. There are still a couple here, but with a young baby at the house, I don't feel like it's the smartest thing in the world to do right now. So, uh, keeping my distance from that, but, uh, trying other things, you know, uh, doing the virtual meetings and some things like that lately. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but, um, let's meet Charlie first. Well, we've, we've met Charlie before on a previous episode. So thanks for joining us again. You want to just give us an update on where you are today? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is, this is Charlie. Uh, let's see. When, when was I on the podcast? Uh, uh, you were on like that first weekend in January. So, okay. So some things transpired right after that. Okay. Yeah. So I think I ended up, uh, slipping up a little bit after that. And then I don't know, since then, uh, I mean, meetings have always been uh, kind of the the base of my recovery. The, the longer I've gone to them, though, the I feel like the less I get out of them. I don't know if everyone else is like that. So I don't know. I've 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 tried uh, I've tried having that be the be the only thing I do. But so now I just I have uh, been seeing a therapist uh, since around December. And for me, that's like the the number one uh, part of my recovery right now. Um, I still hit a couple meetings. Uh, well, not not recently, not recently, obviously, but uh, I still hit a couple meetings a week just to stay connected with with people and and uh, you know just just stay around. And uh, yeah, so so really, right now. But I mean, right now, I don't know. I guess we'll talk about that, but right now it's a lot different. Yeah. So something you guys all touched on is just the connections with other people and going to meetings or even like meeting with a therapist, like all of those things are usually in person and connection is such an like, important part, I feel like, of recovery. And now with this pandemic and COVID-19, we're all locked down. So we just, you know, last week us girls talked about what that felt like for us and we thought it'd be interesting to hear your perspectives on you know how how this looks for you guys now and you know how you're maintaining your sobriety in this crazy time so so i don't know for me uh i haven't been doing i've basically been doing nothing uh for my recovery since we've been locked down uh I get, I don't know. I, I get a lot from like structure and routine. And since that's been kind of, uh, taken away, I, I like get a little aimless. Um, so my therapist canceled our appointment, our last appointment. I haven't, I haven't, she's still seeing people, which is, I don't know if I want to actually go see her. Hopefully we can do like a, a virtual meeting or something like this, but uh, yeah, so for me, it's it's not great. Although I do feel great, I'm I'm relaxed and, and content. But 
as far as just on paper, what I've been doing is, is nothing at all. Zero. Gotcha. Uh, well, uh, my situation has changed pretty dr- uh, dramatically in the past few days because I've been staying at a halfway house off and on for like, I don't know, the last six or seven months and uh, had a couple goes at that and either got kicked out or uh, left on my own because I was using. Um, so this uh, I got out of Fairbanks or uh, got out of a rehab, a detox facility and landed back in the same halfway house that I had previously been standing and recently, uh, as of a couple days ago, they decided that we all needed to find somewhere else to stay. And uh, we put up a little bit of a fight, but uh, things in the house dissolved like socially pretty fast where people started going out and drinking and using and uh, no one was cleaning up after themselves and people were stealing stuff from each other. And it got really tense and just like a bad environment to live in. So I had... Um, talk to Liz about coming back on a either part-time basis or a uh, we'll see how it goes basis and it's been going well so far but uh, it's only a few days so so really having the structure of a halfway house having regular drug testing having curfews was something that had been working in the past um, couple months so right now I'm kind of just feeling it out and trying to be as honest with Liz as possible at where I'm at. And uh, I went to a, a meeting last night with a couple friends and it was supposed to be five or six people it turned out to just be me and two other people. And honestly, it was one person that I'd used with in the past, which made Liz very nervous. Uh, so to say the least. So there was a lot of questions before and afterwards, and I was just trying to be honest. And the meeting went really well. And I thought it was very valuable. It was just me and two other people having very deep, uh, in-depth discussions about stuff that you wouldn't normally talk about in meetings. So it felt like more of a, more than a meeting, honestly, although it was recovery related, we got way depth in depth with, um, very personal stuff. So I thought it was very valuable and I know it was a bit of a risk to go out, uh, outside of the house and possibly bring something back in. I don't really know, but, I felt like it was worth it. I'm an extrovert, so I have to be around other people. And um, connection with people is a huge part of my recovery. And that's something that I've been taking advantage of in a way that I never did in the past. So having having connection with people, even in a physical way of, of talking to people in person is huge to me. So I felt like it was worth the risk, at least for last night. So, Yeah, Steve here. Um... So I, I heard both of you guys say like a routine or a schedule, um, something that really do your recovery program. And I feel like that's been the same for me ever since I got clean. Having a having some kind of routine right now has just hasn't been the easiest. Everything's just kind of been thrown up in the air. Especially like I heard another guy say um meetings at the core of your recovery, and again, that's kind of how I feel. You take those away, and I've really been doubling down on other parts of my recovery and taking a step out of my comfort zone, stuff I don't like doing, especially reaching out and calling other people this week, uh, several days I've, I've called just people that I normally wouldn't. It's also just really weird for me still to reach out and try to get a hold of people just randomly, just something I never really liked doing. 
But when I would go to meetings, I would just kind of have that built in. Stick around after the meeting, talk to people. Um, talk to people before the meeting, the fellowship. Uh, and you take that away. And so I'm really trying to get that in other ways. Like I said, uh, reaching out over the phone. Um, I've been hitting a lot of the virtual meetings. Uh, Fairbanks, our local recovery center, posted one for a national uh, website you could log on to. And, and I did that for several nights in a row and, and shared with some people. And that was really cool. And then uh, several of our local meetings have now gone online. So Thursday, I did the first local meeting that I would uh, – usually attend in person, but doing that online with actual people that I know was uh, something really cool too. Um, Cause there is something cool about sharing with strangers um, and getting some insight um, with some fellowship before and after the meeting there. But it's also great to some people that know you and, and can kind of call you on your bull crap too, um, to keep in touch with those people as well. Um, so how do those work? How do those work? Like the virtual meetings? What do you use like Zoom or something? Just like an actual normal like, what, meeting. What it follows like? the exact meeting. Um, whatever the format of your particular meeting was, they just continue that online. So, uh, you know, usually a topic uh, brought up, a reading, something like that, meditation for the day, and then discussion among everyone else. So like, are you using, are you using Zoom? Yeah, Zoom. Uh, there's other platforms I've seen too, but Zoom's the one I like the best. And then how do you like control how, because all the mics like going off at once. Yeah. Uh, great, great point. Um, so there's usually one person, um, like a host person and everything's muted until the host actually unmutes you and lets you share. Um, I've seen a couple of issues, but for the most part, they've gone really smoothly. So That's there's, cool. there's dogs walking around and kids yelling. So it's basically like a regular and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I personally, I did one Zoom meeting, and it, it, it was okay. I just haven't been compelled to do any more, and I don't really have a reason why. It seems like, um, on my part, I guess I just haven't taken taken the time to do it. I did one, and I was sort of like, nah, whatever. It didn't really feel like much, and so I've spent more. I feel like I got more out of a 45-minute conversation with, with an NA buddy or an AA buddy than the zoom meeting so i've been just doubling down on that and so maybe that's my inactivity to, to try something new to have some open-mindedness but i've had some long conversations about some really good stuff that that has that i feel like i've gotten more out of those phone calls than a lot of meetings that i've actually been to so i guess i've been kind of exploring personal relationships uh going in depth on stuff pretty helpful uh even more so than than some meetings and really the something that came up at the meeting last night is rather than me feeling like shit and then going, Oh, I need to go to a meeting. And then the meeting fixes it. It's more about like what I've learned is, is my desire to be active in recovery and go to meetings is part of what's helping me stay sober um, rather than the meeting itself. It's like, if I don't, if I'm not doing well in recovery, chances are I'm, I'm having to be dragged to meetings just to make Liz feel better or just to like try to convince myself I'm doing all right. If I'm, if I'm willing to go to meetings, I'm usually doing all right. Not that meetings aren't important, but just the, if the desire is there, usually a lot of other things are going well. But what, yeah. uh, what if you lose that desire? Because I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great when I'm like motivated and interested in, in like going to meetings and, and actually, uh, participating, you know, but, uh, when I lose that, I, 
I can't like naturally get it back. I, I don't know how anyone else does. And yeah, that's tough. Cause I, I really, uh, right now I feel very motivated and I don't even know where it came from. Like if I feel very strong in recovery, but, um, it feels very fragile too, because I, I feel like it's just out of left field. I just became very motivated and willing and, and all that stuff that you're supposed to have to stay sober. It just all of a sudden it appeared. And now I'm like, wow, how do I hang on to this? Cause it seems to be working, but cause it feels different than other times I've gotten sober. And I don't really know why, which I keep bringing it back to conversations with my sponsor about, um, the higher power element that I never really had in, in previous attempts at sobriety, where it, something beyond me seems to be propelling me in a direction that I never went before. Uh, so I don't really know how to hang on to it. I've only got 70 or so days, so I'm still exploring this, but something outside of myself seems to be, uh, I mean, me. when I'm, so I can't really when I'm coming it. off of, a, uh, a, like a, a long, a long run, like kind of you were on, uh, I'm super motivated like that, but lately, sure. the last couple of years, I'll like, uh, I'll like slip up maybe for a day or for a couple of days in a week. And then, and then that's, that's all that happens. And then it's like, I need, you know, extreme circumstances to, to get me to that. And it sounds like that's kind of where you were at. So what happens right. in like six months been... when everything's cool and, and uh, life is going well. That's that's where I that's right. well, where I get tangled up. Yeah, I've also been exactly where you've been, where you're at right now, several times. Where it's that you're 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 doing well, and then shit goes off the rails for a bit. You don't necessarily lose everything. So then, when I jump back on track, I kind of I think where I fell apart is I would jump back on track and change literally nothing. So mm. I would say, yeah. well, it was working, I failed, and so I'll just keep doing what I was doing. Um, and so I really wouldn't step up meeting attendance. I wouldn't call my sponsor more. I, I, and I don't know why, like, I don't really have a whole lot of answers. I, I guess I just have the experience of, of where I've been, which led me to where I am now, I guess. So I've been in your spot and I don't really know. It sucks to say that you have to lose it all to, <laughs> to get something. Cause that sucks. And I know that's not exactly the truth for everybody. It's, it's what happened to me. And so, I mean, I, you know, I was at the brink of pretty much the ending of everything in my life. So maybe that pain is motivating me now. And but where am I going to be at in two years when I've kind of forgot this pain like we do? So don't have a lot of answers. So how is uh, I'm curious how you and uh, I'm not, I don't remember what your your uh, her pseudonym is. Uh, was it Liz? Is it Liz? OK. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how because you guys weren't you guys were apart for a long time and now right. you're thrown together like and like locked in a house together like <laughs> out of nowhere is that uh, super weird or what it would it would be but we did have some time she's the one that drove me to um she drove me to treatment she picked me up we talked every day in treatment and this whole 70 odd days uh we spoke every day oh, okay hung out once a week and so we've sort of been rebuilding uh heading in this direction it just is happening way outside of gotcha. our time yeah so it's not as weird as it sounds i guess it's i we're, we're kind of slowly figuring it out or or 
quickly figuring it out. Like I guess the we're in like a pressure cooker of okay, now I'm back home. What are we gonna do? And so I guess if I was leaving the house every day and just doing my own thing, it might even be more stressful. So we we almost get a practice run in an incubator of like okay, so I'm leaving the house once a week instead yeah, of I guess that two could or three be a times a day. So, yeah, it's it's kind of odd how. So I, I was talking to my friend earlier today and I was like, man, it feels really surreal that I'm back here. Like I don't, it, it's so far outside of our plans. And like, I don't even really know how I landed back here. It's everything that's happened has been completely outside of my control. And since I got out of treatment, honestly, nothing has worked out in, in, in what, in the way that I thought mm-hmm. it was going to, or wanted to, it's probably but, a I'm, good thing, but yeah. I'm sober. Right. It's, yeah. So it's not as weird as you might think. Steve, how is being locked up with uh, all your all your kids? Yeah, um, got, so it's uh, definitely uh, it's definitely different over here. Uh, I'm not bored, that's for sure. Um, there there are no uh, boring <laughs> days around here. Um, but I just wanted to take a step back to what you said, uh, uh, Charlie. You know about you asking, you know, what do you do when that desire leaves? Because um, you know, I, I feel like it goes back to what you both were saying earlier about having some kind of routine um, and, and starting to change that behavior. You know, one of the huge suggestions around here is like the 90 meetings in 90 days and um, getting a sponsor and jumping, jumping into step work and things like that. Um, trying to keep that routine in your daily life. Like, so the virtual meetings are different for me, but the things that, that is the same is that I'm still carving out that time several times a week to, to get to a meeting, no matter what the meeting looks like or, or what I'm sharing, the bedrock of that is still the same. And I'm still reaching out to my sponsor, even though I'm not maybe meeting him in person once a week at our home group. Um, and I'm still doing the uh, 10, 11, 12 at the end of my day. And, uh, you know, trying my, my prayers and meditation and keeping those in the forefront, because you really hit it on the head when I feel like when you said, uh, that once you get out of that routine, it's just so much harder to get back on. But if I can keep it rolling and I, and I get myself into that space and I do it for long enough and my behavior changes, it just becomes like second nature to when, when, I, when I see myself starting to slip, the first thing I think about isn't crazy thoughts that drag me farther back down the I don't want to go down. The first thought that enters my head is, hey, man, I got to get my butt to a meeting. Um, and, and doing it for long enough to where my behavior started to change. I, again, I'm like Jake. I feel like I don't have any answers. I can only talk about the things that have worked for me. But you know, I, I feel like everybody kind of goes through ups and downs in the recovery. Like, you know, you're, you're riding that pink cloud and you're, and you're really hitting it hard and everything's going so smooth, but then you get your shit back together, man. And life kicks you in the balls. That's just what happens. Um, and, and to try and hang on to your recovery and not forget it and go back to the old crap is really the test, you know? Um, and I feel like you guys both, we've all kind of just maybe said it in different ways, but that's really what's worked for me. Um, What's well, a good point about the the Zoom meetings? Uh, I'm not hating on them. I just honestly haven't taken taken the time or uh, made an effort to try them out. But I like that idea of somehow keeping some idea of a routine. And so whether the Zoom meeting is good or not, or whether you necessarily get anything out of it, you're still making the you're making the effort to to keep that in your life, and that can keep your schedule somewhat you know, realistic to what it normally is. So that's, that's a good point. And for me, something uh, that I've been exploring is something I always laughed at and thought was totally lame. And I still kind of do, but is meditation and just sitting down and relaxing 
And like working in a kitchen and working in the culinary industry can be very long hours and very hectic. And your brain is pulled in a hundred directions at once and you get used to being chaotic. And so something that's been helpful is, uh, is meditating. And I, I really have zero experience at it. It's just been something I've been exploring, but I have this chair that I took from the halfway house uh, that I call my meditation chair. And so I just, it's where I would just sit down in my room and relax and just try not to think or try to think of positive stuff. So I cleared out a space in my closet at uh, Liz and I's house to where I can shut the door. It's somewhat of a sensor, uh, sensory deprivation chamber where I can sit down and just try to like relax or pray or whatever that looks like. And that's been pretty helpful. Yeah, well. I agree. Uh, that's a really great point. Uh, I liked what you said about uh, maybe not putting much stock in it um, earlier because that's how I felt, especially in early recovery. Uh, I, I was never big on prayer and I, I had zero clue about meditation. Uh, it was something that came into my recovery uh, later on, but it was definitely something when I, when I fit it into my day and I did it on a, on a routine basis and made it part of my recovery. Um, no matter what I thought about it, I could, I could see the change. I could see the trivial stuff start to roll off my back more. I could see myself having a better mindset when I was doing that thing doing it on a regular basis, I could see the changes start to happen. And when it was, when it was working for me like that, it was much easier to fit into my day on a consistent basis. And when I would start to see the benefits from it. Another thing I would throw on top of it is a daily inventory. Um, talk about step 10 and looking back at my day and, and talking about the things that I want to change. Like, that's great. But also looking at the things that I really like um, and that are really doing that I'm really doing well and building on those also that's always really great for me. And I, I put my daughter to bed every night now. Um, and so that's been a great time for me to just like lay, I lay down with her and we're, and we're both quiet. And that's when I can like review my day and I can, and I can do my prayers and I can, and I can do some meditation. And again, it's, it's uh, when I keep doing those on a consistent basis, they really change my headspace for the better. And and when I keep doing them, it's, it's, it's just so much easier. I keep it rolling. I keep, keep it going. Cause when I start to fall off, it's just always so much harder for me to jump back on that horse. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's just the same with a lot of things, especially even when they're the best thing for you. But so I really liked what you had to say about it. Putting your kid to bed has uh, Liz. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's so sweet. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's something, uh, Charlie, you've got, coming up which makes me think of just in general like there's a lot of stress with this pandemic you know people losing jobs or worrying about losing jobs babies being born like health insurance um so just the anxiety and stress like how are you guys dealing with that how does it affect you know your recovery uh, what are you doing to try and <laughs> handle it um yeah, I mean, it kind of goes in uh, waves here. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been super worried, but uh, as you guys know, uh, my wife can tend to uh, worry a bit, that's for sure. So her anxiety has kind of went up and down. Um, we've been able to manage it, though. We've actually, I don't know, this has been a really, it's been a pretty nice like couple weeks. It's almost like a, a nice, calm like break before what I hear is like a really crazy time, the whole uh, having a baby thing. So 
Uh, <laughs> so this has been like a, a nice deep breath, I think. Um, I don't know. It's been pretty great so far. We haven't got tired of each other yet. So. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I'm I'm really happy for you guys too. I just want to throw that out there. That's awesome. I'm really excited for both of you. Thanks, man. Yeah, and we got yeah. kind of got the finishing touches on the the nursery done. It's looking awesome. pretty sweet. That um, is. That's exciting. That's great stuff. And it's it's a great it's a great motivator too. Uh, you know, they I, I know I can't stay clean uh, for my kids, but they are definitely like the fuel uh, that throws thrown on the fire for me. Um, I feel like it can help. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a huge motivator. That's for sure. But I, I you know, uh, what Liz said about uh, just the the craziness right now. I, I I'm I'm glad I'm set in my recovery. Uh, I. I really worry about people that are just getting clean. Uh, somebody, you know, Jake, I know this hasn't been your first rodeo, but I worry about a lot of those guys, you know, coming straight out of a halfway house into an environment like this where just meetings are closed and, you know, it's really hard to make connections. I know when I first got clean, I didn't talk to anybody. I was the last one in the meeting. I was the first one out. I, it took me forever to get up the courage to ask anybody to be my sponsor. And, but I kept going to meetings, you know, I kept coming back. I kept, doing the things that people told me to do, even though it might have taken me a little while to get to the, the finish line there. And I worry about those guys that are, you know, uh, in, in early recovery. But, you know, like for me, um, again, I, I, I don't have a lot that I already haven't said already, but, you know, I just worry about the people that are in early recovery and try to take advantage of the resources that they're already probably not 100%, you know, convinced of yet. And then you try to get them to go online to do something like that. And I feel like it's going to be even harder. So, yeah, this this would be a weird time to uh, to try to get sober for sure, especially if it's your first time. I I don't know how anyone would, especially being like not being able to work, being just stuck with your thoughts. Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah, well, coming from the halfway house, a lot of people did come in straight off the street and had like three or four Where days. Where did they even go? And I mean, half those dudes don't have a place to go to. I don't know. Exactly. There was people, representatives of other halfway houses that showed up to try to scoop uh, some of them up. Um, but even they didn't have beds right away. So it, it was a very, I feel like I abandoned some people to kind of get out of the mess. But there were people that I barely knew and I don't really have the capability to necessarily help them out anyways. So it's like, it was, it was sort of every man. Are there still people there? Like was a, or is it? closed yeah it's they're they're still there they gave us a two-week notice um and it's been slowly dissolving since then to the point where people were coming home drunk (laughs) that's nutty people are coming home high it was terrible so i I had to get out of there and 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 pretty much anybody that had any sense bounced Mm -hmm. as soon as possible and so what you're left with is just lord of the flies style like survival people don't have any money they have nowhere to go and now they're being told to to hit the road and so it's everyone's scattered so i i honestly don't even know what's going on over there right now so yeah but the people straight off the street and i can't imagine my first time getting sober um i can't imagine getting sober without meetings and i i did everything pretty much slow and not the wrong way but yeah it took like a long time to find a sponsor i got no phone numbers i went to meetings sort of sort of when i wanted to and i did a lot of things wrong and so i i can't imagine 
getting sober in this environment right here, you know, it's it would be very rough. But so there might be some people listening right now who maybe their loved one is like trying to get sober for the first time and they could be very like freaked out right now. Um, As they should be. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, but um, something you said, though, the other day. Where you were like, oh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the guys at the house are just using this as an excuse now. to Oh, relapse. sure. So maybe like expand on that. A little OK, bit. well, I, I heard there was a lot of talk like right after we had a house meeting and they said, OK, everybody has to be out in two weeks. And right away, one of the first people to speak up was, well, if I don't have anywhere to stay, you might as well put a drink in my hand. <laughs> and then like me and my friend looked at each other and kind of gave gave each other a look that said. Well, if the only thing keeping you sober is this house, then how sober are you? Like, like if you're so it kind of it was kind of like odd where the dude was already ready to drink. And so I don't know where that guy is. He left shortly after. So who knows? But there there was a lot of people giving up really fast, which um, when when the news was dropped, I felt strangely calm and like, well, First of all, I'm not using no matter what. That ain't fucking happening. That the the only thing that will make that situation worse for me is picking up because then Liz is not gonna let me stay over here. My parents aren't gonna let me come home. Like purely survival kicked in where I thought if I use, I'm truly fucked. So I can't pick up. So I, I felt like, okay, well, I've been in worse spots. I've had nowhere to stay before. At least I have a place to stay. I've been I've had no job before, so I didn't really, I knew I wasn't going to use, but a lot of people were using it and have used it as an excuse to go back out. Like, fuck it. What are we going to do? World's ending, uh, catastrophizing the the whole scenario. And a lot of those people are just kind of out roaming the streets and, and I don't know where they're at. So I would like to talk to them if it was worth it. Like, hey, the world shuts down. You get drunk. Did it make it any better? You know, I... Yeah. I don't know. I would like to talk to some of those people, honestly, see see if it was worth it. Yeah, I I, I could pretty much tell you that it's not, you know. Uh I, I go to the meetings, yeah, man. Sure. I see the people come back. Um it's it's never more fun, it seems like when they go back out. But you you make a really good point. Um, you know, about about I, I feel like um it's a, like a cop out. Um I've I've talked about this before. And sure. if you come in and you're and you're still trying to hold on to those reservations, and you can't quite get over the hump, and you're and you're not quite bought in. If you're just looking for a cop out, you're going to find one. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's people talking about religion or you know people talking about you know their their God or you know you name it. If you come in and you look, you're looking for a way that this that stuff's not going to work for you. You're you're going to find it. And you're going to find it really quickly. It's about I I feel like for me anyway. That's all I can speak to is what's worked for me. I feel like what worked for me though was I kept going back. I kept doing some things that people with some recovery told me to do until I could actually th- see those things start to change. Because especially in early recovery, that story you told about your friend makes me just takes me right back to what used to happen to me. And those thoughts of getting high would just enter my brain so quickly. And when I was still in active use, that was it. That's all it took. When that thought entered my head, the train had left the station. There was no stopping me. I was, I was getting high. And what recovery did for me was, when those thoughts would enter my head, I could, I could let them pass without acting and reacting to those, those thoughts. Um, and it sounds like to me was, you know, that guy had one of those thoughts and he immediately, you know, verbalized it. Um, 
and if you're if you're hopefully you know trying to work some kind of recovery program you know somebody would have called him on that you know or you know somebody would try to give him some insight to help him you know and it's about for me it was about to keep coming back until those things started to pass and i could push them out of my head you know without reacting to those immediate thoughts and and you know trying to trying to you know get that instant gratification and you know just reacting immediately to the thoughts that would enter my head it, you know and again uh these are just the things that have worked for me uh you know but i mean i i, I don't know man it's like uh especially when you're first starting um like sometimes you you like barely want to get sober but but you know 51 percent of you does and and at that early point there's there's probably a lot that can knock you off track it's uh sometimes you need time uh to get that 51 percent up up a little higher so I, I feel like a lot of guys are hanging by a thread at, you know at first at least um and something like this is a pretty pretty significant uh i mean of course you, you can call it an excuse but it's a pretty big disruption of someone's life who's barely kind of hanging on uh it's i mean it's not a <laughs> it's not a good i mean it's a it's a substantial excuse, at least, if not a good excuse. Well, I guess I don't look down on anybody for having the for having the desire to, or having the thought to go out and get fucked up. I'm just grateful that I didn't. And I, I don't even know why I didn't. Um, and I guess because I've been in the spot where, you know, I want to use when everything's going great. So, yeah, when stuff's going really bad, then, of course, I'm going to want to use. So, um I don't really have, I don't look down on him. I guess, I guess I, at least he said it out loud and maybe someone did scoop him up and talk to him. Maybe he's at another house. I don't know. Uh, but I guess it's when, you know, if he would have just said nothing and went out and got drunk, that, that would be the wrong move. But maybe the fact that he stood up and said something, cause that guy was only like two days sober. So maybe right where he was at was, Hey, I'm going to go get drunk no matter what. You know, so at least he spoke up and said something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, think about how many times, yeah, like how many times do you um, see someone who's first coming in and you're like, oh, this dude's fucked, like for sure. And then like two years later, <laughs> yeah. he's he's got two years and you've got fucking 64 days. Uh, so it's oh, like it's happened a so lot many of people. people yeah, you can, a lot of people start off. uh like I said, like just hanging on. And so this is, this is a tough, uh, this is a pretty big speed bump for those people. Yeah. Yeah. So during this, um, especially tough time, like, is there anything that, you know, people like partners or loved ones can do to help be supportive or like, what does that look like for each of you? Like, what's the kind of support you need from Alex or Elise or me or family members? Is there anything for me, it's been, uh, anyone can do to help? I think um, just giving each other some space right now. Uh, and I think we've done pretty well doing that for each other. Um, for me, it's the biggest one, just in these circumstances. Uh I don't know about you guys. I think uh, our situation is going to probably be wildly different than uh, the two of you. But for me, first of all, allowing me to come home is massive <laughs> because I know I'm 
I don't know. I know I'm, I know I'm safe. Um, I have accountability here and you know, I'm pretty damn comfortable. And so all just allowing me to come home is great, but, but also just being brutally honest and, you know, we, we've been not letting thoughts linger. Like if she thinks I'm using, she needs to say something immediately because I don't want to sit around and, and build these small resentments. Cause then that's when I start getting pissed off. And, um, I guess there hasn't been a whole lot of opportunity to use. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when things widen and we start leaving the house more, but, but right now it's starting off at a, at a baseline of, Hey, let's just be honest with each other. And if you're feeling something, you got to let me know up front and, and the same for me. So I guess allowing me to stay here and just being wide open with each other has, has been great. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of could take some from what both of you guys said. Uh, I remember okay. uh, Elise in early recovery, Jake hit on the head uh, was accountability. Uh, I was seeing a recovery therapist at the time. She called Le- Elise my accountability partner. Uh, and I had never really looked at her like that before. Uh, Cause I had people that I was meeting in the program and I had my own ideas of what recovery should be. Elise was gaining all this knowledge at the same time and was able to call me on my bull crap. And it was something I hadn't been getting a lot of in the meetings because I was, again, last one in, first one out, not talking to a lot of people. So I was kind of trying to do my own thing. Elise was gaining all this knowledge of what a successful recovery program looks like. And she was calling me on my bull crap. And that was something I really needed at the time, along with other aspects. But she was holding, she was holding me accountable but she was, we were also trying to adjust to this, this, you know, new life. So, so we were giving each other some space at the end of the day, we were also trying to honestly communicate and, and take it suggestions from professionals that knew what they were doing, because I feel like anybody coming out of active addiction, it, it's not a great relationship. It's you, you can't mix the two and expect it to be a, a great thing you've got. So it's adjusting and learning and, and trying to take suggestions from people that know what a, uh, a healthy relationship looks like and, and trying to take those suggestions. Having a, having a partner with growing knowledge of recovery is man, it could be a pain in the ass <laughs> if you're using because they know all your tricks and it's like, how many meetings have you been to this week? And it, and it quickly turns into mind your fucking business or this is my recovery or you're not my sponsor and all that stuff. But man, it's really helpful when you're sober because uh, it can be a little annoying. Like, Hey, why do your eyes look all fucked up? Or, uh, you know, I know what I know having someone that knows what you look like when you're high, it can be kind of a double-edged sword because it can get annoying when you're sober, but you know, it keeps you in line uh, at some points also, but that's a good yeah, point. Jake, really great point. Uh, at least I feel like when she met Alex and Liz, I would say that's when, that's when stuff got real. That's when the the bank accounts dried <laughs> up. That's when uh, all of the excuses, all of the manipulation, that's when all the bull crap went out the window when she started gaining all this knowledge about addiction. And, uh, and it was either do or die for us as a, as, as a couple, it was, it was either, you know, we're, we're really going to make some steps forward or this is going to be over. And uh, I really feel like that's when just stuff got real. Absolutely. Cool. Well, um, any final thoughts you guys have? 
Anything to share? Um, no. Okay. Cool. Well, no. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this. It was really good to hear your guys's perspectives, and um, hopefully, you know, people will enjoy that, and it will be helpful. And um, good luck during this lockdown and pandemic <laughs> and everything. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.